2: At Progressive, we know there's nothing like the feeling of riding a motorcycle with your crew on the open road. That symphony of engines roaring in perfect harmony. It's a feeling that would be impossible to recreate on the radio. Until now. Hit it, Jerry. Oh, my word. Really, really terrible. Was that a glockenspiel, Jerry? Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Uh, No, no, Jerry, it's over.
3: Hi, this is Teresa Kariakis, coming to you from the Pantheon Podcast Network. I'm on The Devil's Music with Pleasant Gaiman.
2: Pantheon Podcast presents... From Hollywood, California, The Devil's Music with Pleasant Gaming. You are invited to join the Hollywood Princess as she explores her lifelong pursuits in the occult, sex, love, and that sinful rock and roll. Ladies and gentlemen, step into the dark parlor of Pleasant Gaming as she brings you The Devil's Music.
4: Hi, I'm Pleasant Gaiman, and welcome to The Devil's Music, a Pantheon podcast. As the devil himself apparently once said, via the Rolling Stones, please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a rock and roll witch from Hollywood, California. My obsession with music and the occult started at the age of 12 and is still going strong. During the 70s, I was one of the first punks in Los Angeles. I worked at the Whiskey A Go-Go and had a Xerox fanzine called Lobotomy, which led me to writing a rock and roll gossip column in the LA Weekly, which in turn led me to writing for every major rock publication you could think of. In the 80s through the 90s, I fronted three bands. I'm a best-selling author with eight books out and more on the way. For the past 30 years, I've been a professional dancer who's toured around the globe teaching and performing, and you've probably seen me dancing in a number of music videos, feature films, and documentaries. I'm also an actor with several film credits. Find out more about me at PleasantGamen.com. I'm really excited to be a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network of Rock and Roll Shows, Everyone at Pantheon tells spectacular stories about the music we love so much, each one with a different twist. Find them all at pantheonpodcast.com as well as on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, radio.com, Pandora, hell! I just had to say that. Anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like what we're doing here, Head on over to PantheonPodcast.com and share a show with a friend, or I'll put a spell on you. Kidding.
1: This is Pleasant Gaiman, and you're listening to The Devil's Music, a Pantheon podcast. Today, my guest is the wonderful Judica Illis. She's a prolific author, a tarot reader for years and years, a certified aromatherapist, a teacher. Her writing and her books cover everything you could think of that has to do with magic and spell work, the paranormal, myths, legends gods and goddesses in fact she she herself is such a legend that um in witchy circles no woo woo house should be without her encyclopedia of 5000 spells or almost any of her other books and she has a brand new book out now called daily magic it's on Harper Collins one harper one uh, i'm i'm insane right now and um I know you guys will forgive me, but her new book, Daily Magic, I haven't read it yet. I can't wait to. Maybe she'll give us one of the things we can do on the air. Here she is, Judith Ellis. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. I am too. Those, uh, I'm really glad that you're here too. We, we booked this episode to be on Friday the 13th, and we've had the most insane luck that you could imagine trying to get it together. So here we are not on the Friday the 13th, channeling Friday the 13th vibes. But the third time was the charm. Yes, that's always true. Um, So I've got so many questions for you since we don't know each other in, in real life, and I've only worshipped you from afar for a long time. Anyway, for anyone that's listening, the way that that we actually got in touch was I was kind of like semi covertly stalking (laughs) Judica's Twitter and like every post had something to do with like, like the Ronettes or some kind of good rock and roll or something. And I was like, wow, I didn't know that she was into it. I didn't, I had no idea you were into
3: that. Oh yeah. No, I mean, way back, way back when, when if you would ask me when I was young, you know writing is my skilled labor but i thought i'd be writing about music i didn't think i'd be writing about witchcraft wow for Um, real it's crazy no no seriously you know people always ask me oh you know which authors influenced you and they think i'm going to discuss all these old witchcraft authors but it's really the old rock and roll journalists they're the ones who taught me how to write you know because they wrote with their passion so you know yeah. The writers of the seventies, the eighties, those are like cream magazine. Yeah. Oh I, I, yeah, I, yeah. Every
1: issue. Me too. Yeah. Wow. That is so cool. So, um, what I gotta say about um, one of the things that I found out that you wrote about, um, that I had no idea of, I only knew about the witchy stuff was I didn't know that you wrote so extensively on Egypt and, um, egyptian history and stuff tell tell me tell me and everyone listening about that
3: that was actually when i was i was living in la i was living in north hollywood at that time and i i answered an ad i i was not a published author yet but i answered an ad i mean those are two things about me my my influence my interest in metaphysics and magic and witchcraft that's one thing about me and the fact that I can write is another thing about me. That's like my skilled labor. Uh, they, they just happen to come together. But, you know, the magic and the esoteric knowledge, that's been with me forever. And um, I saw an ad looking for someone who wanted to, um, they were looking for writers to write about Egypt. And it turned out to be Tour Egypt Magazine, which was the English language magazine of the uh, Ministry of Egypt. So it was actually a government run magazine and i had just gotten my certification in aromatherapy wow. and the history of aroma you know modern aromatherapy it's all france but if you go back if you trace its roots back that's how they were embalming the mummies it's it's you know they weren't using that language they weren't calling it aromatherapy <laughs> but it's the essential oils it's you know you, you can recognize it so I came up with a column called the beauty, Sec- beauty secrets of ancient Egypt or something like that. beauty secrets of the ancient Egyptians. If you Google it'll, it'll come up, but you know, it's the government, it's the Egyptian government. So I gave them my official name. You know, my legal name is Judith. Judica is the um, Hungarian nickname for Judith. And so if um, you have to Google it with the right name or it won't come up, but I, I wrote a column for them for a while, all sorts of stuff. Um, you know, from the eye makeup to, you know, basically, you know, focused on, on beauty. And at one point I, I had hoped to, um, I had hoped to write a book um, on Cleopatra, uh, uh, a beauty book on Cleopatra, but, um, you know, that's, you know, I have all these books in my head and that's one of the ones that, you know, hasn't panned out yet. Wow. That I
1: mean, okay. So the, the I don't know if you know this about me. You may or may not, um, and some of the people listening to you might, but some others might not. I, I've been a professional belly dancer for thirty-two know, years. No,
3: because I was and, talking you too. Oh, <laughs> 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 the mutual stockings. You're, like, you're like you're like, you're like my sister from another mother. <laughs> If you, I mean, if you had asked me when I was five, what did I want to be? I would have wanted to be a belly dancer. It just didn't work out that way. Me too. I wanted to do that, but I didn't. Okay. So I'll tell, I'll tell you this story and I'll make
1: it short. All I wanted to do was dance and my father used to write for National Geographic. So he was all over the place. And there was this um, story about Istanbul and there was, there was a picture that was about, the size of like two postage stamps put together of this belly dancer with sparkles and stuff. And I, I just looked at it and I used to keep stuff in a shoebox, all my favorite yeah. like pictures that you could cut out, which would have been like Pinterest nowadays. <laughs> when I was five in the Mechanical early Mechanical <laughs> Pinterest, right, you Shoebox Pinterest. But I carried that damn photo or, you know, cut out photo with me in my wallet until way after I was an adult. But I finally got my mom who'd been a singer and dancer to, to take, you know, take me to go and get dance lessons. And this was in a tiny little new England studio that was like the size of the shoebox I was keeping the photo in. And um, the lady took a look at my feet and said, Oh, she has flat feet. She'll never be a dancer right in front of me. So I cried myself to sleep and I started, That's you know, I was putting on, yeah, it was terrible. I was putting on shows in the, in the I living it was room.
3: This you, oh, it's awful.
1: Yeah. But anyhow, so I was always dancing when I had bands, I was dancing on stage, like an aerobic set of dance for 45 minutes while I singing. And like, I've, so I was at this rock club one night and this chick asked me if I was a belly dancer. And I said, no, why do you ask? And she said, you move like one. And then I asked if she was a, a belly dancer and she said, yeah. So I begged her to teach me. Then somebody gave me a ticket to Greece. Um, and so I immediately like, called the airline quit my my um job that was like proofreading for the hollywood reporter and just like added on egypt and took off for egypt and oh, so wow. that, that was when i was 30 and then i'd already been like taking lessons at that point you know because i met some belly dancers through that girl and then when i came back because i had a costume i just started working in it just i never thought that i would like have toured the world doing it and gone to Egypt like every year and done all this That's I mean,
3: incredible
1: yeah it was insane but also when you might you might like this when I when I first got off the plane in Cairo you had to walk down um
3: the, like yeah, you know one of those
1: gangplank things yeah. Like, yeah. yeah and the second my feet touched the tarmac I, I burst into tears and my, and I feel like it was a past life thing or something. You know, I'm obsessed with that. Anyway, yeah. Who, so I've had a lot of weird shit like that.
3: Did you ever read, um, it's a Marie Corelli novel, Ziska? No, but C I S K A. familiar to me. It's, um, you know, it, it's like a Victorian, room because I love a reincarnation story. It's a reincarnation romance that takes place in Egypt. And I think, it's vaguely based on Amsati, um, you know, who, you know, you know, was able to reunite with her pharaoh centuries later. And um, I read that, you know, we just I, I read very young. My mother taught herself English by teaching me how to read. So I was, you know, I, I lived in a family of adults. I was the only child. Even my sister's 12 years older than I am. So they I just read everything. And we somehow we had that book hanging around. And I must have read it. I mean, you know, no one explained anything to me. Like, no one would explain, like, a sex scene to me. But they wouldn't stop me from reading it. They would just, you know, however, you know. So I must have read that. I read that, you know, when we were in Queens. I must have been, like, six or seven years old. And that was such a huge impact on me. I just, you know, wanted to, like, you know, move into the pyramids and, you know, await my long-lost, you know, centuries old love, too. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> you, you ain't gonna find that on tinder no. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> um, do you um do you know that um i i found this out pretty recently like that that when they used to make the sarcophaguses in egypt you know how there's always those eyes painted on the side yeah um do you know what that's for tell me someone someone in egypt told me this um who was an Egyptologist, not, not just someone on the street that, um, when after, you know, after they've gone into the afterlife, when they're ready to wake up, they're laying all mummified in their sarcophagus. And then when, when they feel the awakening, they turn to the side. And so that's what, and the eyes are like on the side, on the side. So then they can see out of the coffin and find out where to go.
3: Oh, wow. Oh, I love that. Well, those are like the eyes on the boats in Italy. Yeah. You know, you know, because the, the boats need to see where they're going. I know. I, lo-
1: I love that. Yeah. I wanted to get eyes tattooed on the palms of my hands for years, yeah. for decades. But every tattoo artist I've gone to, and most of them have been friends, they're like, um, they'll wear off really fast, you know, because your mm. palms shed so much. Like I have unks. I'm wearing unk earrings. I see that. She's wearing big golden Ankh earrings. See, we're definitely like sisters and maybe we were sisters in a in a previous life. An ancient Egypt, who knows? <laughs> yeah, full on, I'm sure. Um, do you have you ever had like a past
3: life regression? Um, I have not had a formal regression. I have had sort of visionary experiences that um, I mean, it's really interesting because a lot of spontaneous past life experiences, memories that people have, and I'm no exception, tend to be last moments. And um, they are often not pleasant. But the interesting thing for me was for a long time, and I, I mean, I shocked myself with this, because I feel like I've had a lot of incarnations in this lifetime. I used to be really, really afraid of fire. And I, you know, I, I'm a water sign. I have a water, I have a heavily watery chart, astrological chart, but I was very afraid of fire to the point where, you know, we had a stove with the pilot light. And if that pilot went out, you should see me. I, I had to have like, you know, a, a fireplace matches and I made all these permutations that would go through. I mean, I just wouldn't eat, you know, because I, I couldn't turn that stove back on. And it was very crippling and um, very hard because if you are, practicing witchcraft especially if you come from new york it's all candle magic and so this was this is a disability for me um it was it was a problem so this was for and i I cannot tell you where it came from it was just so stressful and it was for years and then one night i had this past life memory and when i have them i have you know they're very distinct like i know you know i I recognize what they are. It's almost like a lucid dream and it had to do with you know with you know death by fire and within um, a couple days of having that visionary experience, I no longer had that fear. that fear just went away. it dissipated by itself. And now you know I teach candle magic classes and i, I I'm just pinching out those flames with my bare fingers. And it, it shocks me sometimes, like, like you look at yourself and you go, well, you know, how did I get here? That, that's pretty good.
1: I had a I had a, um, I, I had some fire stuff going on that I think was past life, because this also happened when I was so small. Yeah. The, the first thing was like a psychic flash. <clears throat> this was in upstate New York. I was sitting in my little playroom facing away from the direction where this th- thing happened. But I went running into the kitchen screaming to my mother that our barn was on fire. And, um, and I was crying and screaming. And she went outside and it was on fire. But I was on the opposite end of the house. And I was like four. "Oh!" Wow. And um, then the other thing was a, a few years later, um, still in the 60s, I saw Camelot when it first came out. And, and when, yeah. when Queen Guinevere got burned at the stake, I was, I got goosebumps all over the place, which, I mean, obviously it was a movie, you know, and, and yeah. I was little, but then um, my mom was into show tunes, so she had the soundtrack of it. I would play that song over and over and over and over and just imagine, like, burning. So this wasn't even me as, like, a teenage goth or something, like, you know, hoping no. that I
3: had a witchy lineage. The child, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I've never had a like a real formal regression. I would like to one day. Yeah, I haven't had that
1: either. What mm-hmm. about Akashic records? Have you had that done? No, no. Have you? Me neither. No, we're, oh. <laughs> <laughs> we're bad witches. <laughs> <laughs> I've been busy. <dizzy. laughs> I think you have too. <laughs> no. But I swear to like every time i'm talking to someone i know that's a practicing witch like i'll be like the the full moon um like next friday or something and they'll be like oh shit, it's next friday i suck or or like that happens
3: to me all the time i forget like all that that stuff until i find that you know since i've been writing books i i feel like sometimes like I, I I'm I'm doing the work for other people, so they'll do it, not just sitting there typing away.
1: <laughs> I almost just spit water all over the microphone, but it wasn't on fire. <laughs> Let's take a little break for some music, and we'll be right back. <laughs> And I'm with Judica Ellis, and we're having a wonderful conversation so far that could probably go on for hours. Um, okay, so t- tell, tell me and everyone who's listening about your new book, um, Daily Magic.
3: Oh, Daily Magic. It's a perpetual calendar. It's not a wheel of the year. It's, it's, a, it's a Western calendar, January 1st, December 31st, includes the leap day. Um, and perpetual, it means like it's not a calendar you have to buy every year. It's a calendar that, y- you know, you can use as long as, you know, it's a book that we can use as long as we're using this calendar. And very much like what you were saying about the moon, I I lose track of time. I, I have, you know, maybe a little bit of a chaotic life, and I'm busy. and. I mean to do things like I mean, like I know like someone's birthday is, I don't know, you know, August 25th. And I know that, you know, the equinox will be September 22. And I know these things in my head and I have all these plans. And then I look at the calendar when I'm ready to do them. And it's like October 1st (laughs) and I've missed everything. And so I found that by writing things down, and this was a progression, and I describe it in the book. It was a progression from writing in calendars to writing in notebooks, to you, you know, just I, I would create calendars for myself. Uh, I describe it a, in in the book as as a, as the love child of um, a, of a day planner and a book of shadows. I, I found um, that if I that great, <laughs> yeah, you know, I found that if I wrote it down, it grounded me, and I would remember to do stuff, and I, you know, all my poor neglected social media. The last year, like the pandemic for me, accelerated work. You know, I know. Me too. Me too. Yeah, I had more. I, I, you know, it just it just kept. And some of it is is amazing work, and I was so grateful to have it. But it was just so much, and you know, all the deadlines came at once. So you know, my poor social media. I would post. Oh, you know tonight is you know you know the feast day of this goddess or a saint or it's this holiday and all these people would message me all of a sudden i would have 50 messages that i couldn't physically answer all of them and they're all yeah you know i i want to do something tonight but it was like already dark out and if you don't if you don't have i mean we can always we can always you know. Do something. We can have silent and personal rituals, but if you want to have an organized thing with candles and this is what you're supposed to be doing, and this is where you're supposed to be, it, it, you know, if you haven't started, if you haven't planned it already, it's it's you don't have the supplies. So I realized other people needed this kind of a thing too, and so I just started writing writing stuff down. Uh, there's a lot of outtakes for the book, which you know hopefully will become social media posts because you know the publishers always tame me i write these big crazy books and then they they they, they kind of you know they, they they put me in order but um yeah and it's about thinking about time you know time is a magical ingredient time is look we had to do this three times before we got this right and this was the right time you know um so how, being someplace at the right time it's it's sort of actively working with time rather than having time it's just background
1: i feel like i feel like um being in the right place at the right time like that is it's just absolute magic it's synchronicity yes. yes yes that's happened to me so many times like just yes. in, insane ways and that's like there's a lot of that kind of stuff in my book that's coming out in Halloween season, rock and roll witch, but there's a lot of that in my other books too. Because I cannot believe how many just fortuitous experiences I've had, like where you just meet someone, or you happen to like walk a different way down the street, or so, so you know what I mean. Right. I mean, to the point where I could go all Rain Man on it and say, like, did I get a flat tire because I wanted to wear the silver high heels and not the red ones?
3: <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, 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 but it's true, it's true. Or you just, you know. Uh, this is a little depressing but I think about this this is I was working I I managed a small it, it, it was a a travel it was a little corporate boutique travel agency so this is about 1988 in New York and there was this news story about this you know and 88 in New York City was a terrible time it was just you know people were people were getting mugged in front of you in broad daylight right and left. And there was this young woman, I mean, she was like in her 20s and she was near Columbia University and a brick fell out of a wall and hit her on the head and she died. And it's always stayed with me because she had to be there at exactly the right moment. Because think, if, if she had seen, like, if she had been a little bit more scared, if she had seen someone... Who she thought was stalking her maybe she would have walked a little bit faster and it wouldn't have happened or maybe if she had you know stopped to tie her shoelace she would have been a little slower and it wouldn't have happened but it was right she was at that spot at that moment and that brick ha- happened to fall and hit her in the right spot and that was it and that's always sort of haunted me yeah that's 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 insane. I
1: I think of that when I hear, I'm not exactly that kind of thing, but if I hear that there's like, you know, some insane car accident or something like that, that if that person would have like, you know, like gotten something at a drive through or, um, you know, wasn't going at a certain speed or, you know, like just all of that stuff, what leads up to like those catastrophic experiences that the the ones that you can't like anticipate you know what i mean like just like my
3: astrologer you know who's no longer with us uh last he, he was in well he died after leaving west hollywood but um he um, you know he used to give me I, I used to go for readings and he would give me days to either not, just don't speak to anyone. Don't answer your phone or don't go out. And I always took him very seriously because, you know, maybe that was just a day I shouldn't be walking around.
1: Yeah. 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 I have an astrologer and he, the um, last, um, a few months ago, he told me, um, that I, I needed to get, um, he said that I should do something to change my appearance on summer solstice of, um, of 2020, and I started laughing, and he's like, "What's so funny? I'm serious." And I said, "I have a tattoo appointment booked for that
3: day." Oh wow! Oh yeah. wow! That's amazing.
0: Yeah. I
3: like when people tell me things like that because, or even when I'm reading for someone, if I tell them something, I mean that I couldn't know, but they they're already doing. I feel that that's a real affirmation that we're doing the right thing. Yeah, you know, if a stranger tells you, "Oh, you should be doing this," and you say, "Well, yes," well, you know, I have a tattoo appointment. Um, that's that's the affirmation that that's where you should be.
1: Yeah, I, I I give someone a reading um a little while ago, and I've never said anything like this before. Like this was this was a typed reading, and I said um like look for you need to you need to watch out for messages of spirits um you know coming from spirits like and said particularly a penny or a white feather. And I had sent on the reading and five minutes after I sent it, she emailed me back and said that she, she um, was walking to her car from work. And when she got it she's like, oh cool, um, my reading came in and she just stopped in the parking lot and she read it. And then when she got to her car, there was like a penny on the ground and a white feather on the hood of her car.
3: Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, that blew my mind. That's great. I love the. So, um, well, that's so an you, affirmation for you, too, I think, you know, as readers, you know, because, you know, people don't, you know, as readers, we have to take risks. I, I used to be, um, I used to work Psychic hotlines. you know. I was just going to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> So, you know, we take risks. You know, you, you, you have to go out on a limb and say, this is what I see. And sometimes, you know, people are, are very open. I've, I've had people, you know, hang up. And, and you feel, oh, I said the wrong thing or this is, you know. And then later they'll tell you, I hung up because you shocked me. Because it was accurate. Because I didn't want to hear it. But, you know, there's a real bravery with being an authentic reader.
1: Yeah, you have to you have to say say stuff. Um, but I mean yeah you also have to I also think there's a huge responsibility of, of saying yes delivering bad news or weird news like you have to be as as possible but yes. still get the point
3: of you have fact. to be a diplomat. Yeah, yeah, because you have to you have to uplift people even when you're delivering unhappy news. And you know, and I think you always have to find you have to find solutions for people in difficult yeah, situations. I was just going to say, Ex- like, you've got to give them options or ideas. Yes, yes. Yeah. And to empower them rather than... Than have them, them be in, really fear. in despair. Yeah. And if you're listening, that's what your readers should do for you. You should feel empowered afterwards and that you have possibilities and not feel like, okay, you know, I may as well just hide under the bed now. My life is over yeah some some
1: some readers are very uh, really really good at that but other readers yeah. are um are not um, I'm not to besmirch anyone's practice but um you know it's just I used to okay so I used to uh, as a hobby <laughs> I used to go to storefront fortune tellers all the time yeah mostly because I wanted to see like the decorations in their house sometimes you know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, like plastic Virgin Marys and like real, you know, like own paintings sure. stuff, or like you know, like vinyl, clear vinyl covering like brocade ornate couches. <laughs> I was really into that. But then I wanted to hear what they said and how they said it. And this this started even before you could make voice recordings or ask permission if you could do a voice recording. I just wanted. To, I was so obsessed with that. Yeah, like, my whole life. Um so working you worked on this on um, psychic hotlines in like the 90s the early 90s right
3: so Yeah when they
1: were hot they, yeah when they were just like coming out like 976 numbers or psychic
3: hotlines and- I worked um when I moved to Los Angeles I, I, that's when I started working on the psychic hotlines. And I remember there was one that was, it was so busy. So if, for those who've never done this in order to, you know, to sign on, you've got to punch a couple numbers into your phone and then the calls start coming in. And when you're ready, you know, if you want to take a break or when you're ready to leave, you punch some more numbers into your phone and then you can hang up. And I would do I would do the graveyard shift. I would start at 10 PM and I would read till about one. I was scheduled to go till about one in the morning. But the call, it was like boot camp. The calls just kept coming in one after the other after the other after the other. And it was so busy that sometimes I didn't have a chance to punch the numbers into the phone to to get out. So I mean, I would just stay, I would stay on the phones till like five in the morning. Just because the calls just kept coming, it, it was pretty incredible. Wow, that's wild. I liked it though because I, you know, because I've always read only on referral, so everybody sort of knows each other. And but when you're on the psychic hotline, the calls were coming from everywhere, and you know, all different kinds of people and different circumstances. Um, and because I did the graveyard shift, sometimes they were genuine calls looking for readings but a lot of times it was people who you know had a bad dream people it's it's three in the morning three in the morning and you've had a bad dream and you're alone and you don't know who to call so you call you know one nine (laughs) hundred psychic you know um i'd get truck drivers who just you know wanted to speak to women not even like you know not sex calls they just wanted you know to hear a woman's voice and I got a lot of those calls too. It was it was um, it was really my boot camp. I, I went from um, th- that's really what made me a confident reader. Yeah, I mean that's an
1: experience, and then just with that variety of people, that's, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. Um. So what what do you think is like one of the weirdest readings you've ever done? Do you have any stories about wild readings?
3: I, you know, I, I, I have a Scorpio moon and I keep my mouth shut. I, oh, okay. I guard, I guard people's privacy, privacy, like intensely. I, I, I don't, I had a bounty hunter. I, I think that was, you know, I, that is was pretty Bob? intense. No, I'm just kidding. I had a bounty hunter and, you know, we discussed, you know, who he was going after first. So wow. um, I'll tell you what was interesting is that for the first couple months, almost, I won't say all the calls, but a lot of the calls, all uh, you know, maybe 90% of the calls were um, women who wanted to know if their ex was coming back. Yeah. And in the beginning, I, I, I just, you know, I just answered the question. You know, I pull some cards. Yes, coming back. No, not coming back. And it was very straightforward, but after a while, there were so many of these calls and, and, and they'd start telling me their stories. Is he coming back? And sometimes they were afraid he was, you know, um, sometimes they wanted the guy to come back, but sometimes they were afraid he was coming back or sometimes they wanted him to come back, but he had, you know, beaten them repeatedly. He would hospitalized, you know, molested their children. And, but, but is he coming back? Um, and, and that, that made me a lot more thoughtful and i really i it taught me to, because i come from a background where you don't ask questions you know everybody's got a story and you don't really ask and so after a while i i learned to start asking questions it really sort of liberated me you know wh- why do you want this person back you know and I wasn't in a great relationship myself at that point, so it really made me think. You know, there are good relationships, there are bad relationships, and then there's a third option: there's no relationship. And sometimes, you know, you know, no relationship can be better than a bad relationship. So it was, it was, um, it was very educational for me. And you know, I, I know there's sort of a lot of mockery over, you know, but I, I, the psychics I knew who were working they auditioned me like three times. They actually, it's the only job I've ever had where they actually check my references. Um, So, you know, they were very authentic people and who were trying to be helpful for other people. And, you know, we get a bad rap a lot. Oh yeah. You know, you know, everybody assumes we're like exploitative charlatans. And in, in fact, that's, and I'm not saying those people don't exist. But maybe they're not, they're also maybe not real psychics, you know, um, there, there are fake physicians and fake pharmacists, but that doesn't, you know, I mean, we're held to sort of an unrealistic standard, I think. Yeah, I, yeah, you know,
1: when, when I was, when I was young, I would have lots of psychic flashes, but I never thought I was a air quotes real psychic because I couldn't just turn it on and off. Right. I th- I thought that like you had to just have it twenty four seven and you could just know someone or something. And then there were so many things that I didn't yeah. realize were were psychic either. You know, like like even when I was small, I would look at pictures in like some magazine or something of a movie star and be like, that person's really nice. Or like, I, I don't like that person. They're, they're, they're mean or something. It took me so long to figure a lot of that stuff out. You know, it was really, it was really weird. Well,
3: it's also, I think the expectations that people have, people come to consult you and they don't really want a psychic or a card reader. What they want is a mind reader. Tell me what I'm thinking. You know, I, I can't do that. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, once in a while I can and then they get mad at me, but, you know, but but usually I can't. Or, you know, what did I have for lunch today? Or, you know, what number is my driver's license? I, I, I mean, I don't know. You know, you already yeah. know that. Uh, what difference does it make if I know?
1: But, yeah, I know that. Yeah, that's the the, the testing stuff. Like yeah. I, I had one lady that called me um, for a reading and that this was through um, one of the stores that I work for, you know, because I do private readings also. And um, she she was getting so bitchy. She, she she started out in a bad mood and I was like, OK, I'm just this was like right in the beginning of the pandemic. And I was like, OK, I'm just not going to let this phase me, whatever. And then she said to me, what are you just sitting around the house flipping some cards or something? And I said, yeah, we're in a lockdown. What do you think? I just like, couldn't help it. It just <laughs> fell out of my
0: mouth.
3: That's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> she's psychic (laughs) too yeah i should have said that
1: i was i was was proud of myself for not cursing (laughs) (laughs) we've been so good (laughs) i know we have been good should we should we have a tourette's moment no (laughs) let's let's take a break for some music so we can cuss off air for a minute and i'll be right back with (laughs) judica ellis Did you? No. I know we're being so good. Damn. That that was the worst I could muster at this point. <laughs> Let's see. What else did I want to, Oh, I know what I want to ask you. Some non-psychic witchy stuff for a minute, but maybe it's, um, maybe there is some witchy, witchy shit going on with it. Um, tell me about like your favorite concert or the first concert you ever went to
3: the first concert. Probably. I mean, I, no one thinks this counts. You know, my sister took me to see the Preservation Hall jazz band when I was like 10, but no one thinks that counts. <laughs> um, That's embarrassing.
1: How dare you mention that on my show? No. <laughs>
3: 1978, Van Morrison. Um, I was at Rutgers College, and he was touring. It was the Wavelength album. And I went to buy tickets. And there were, like, you know, these seniors selling the t- I was a freshman. And there were these seniors selling the tickets and they were all, you know, they were like curmudgeonly old people. Oh, you know, the young people don't know anything. And then I came up and I wanted to buy a ticket. And they were so impressed. They gave me like front row seats. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, he was great. I, I, I saw a lot of people. I saw I saw Icky Pop. I saw Blondie. They had a Reno. I I saw a lot. I used to go out and see music all the time. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame how many. just um, it's, it's so
1: sad how many music venues all over the place closed from the pandemic. I mean, like really, like landmarky places. It was so sad.
3: Yeah, but you know all these places in New York where I used to go, all these clubs. You know the Bottom Line and and uh, oh God, you know so many. Um, they all closed even before the pandemic. Oh, well, I know. I mean, like CBGB's. is bad. I bought CBGB's. Oh, I was at Newark Airport. They have like a CBGB's restaurant. It's like really depressing.
0: That's They're like, so,
3: you know, it's it, it, it's like, you know, I because you know I remember.
0: Me um, too. Now
3: it's like uh, now you know you can buy an expensive jacket and get a you know overpriced hamburger at the airport. <laughs> so, um, do they, do they have the
1: authentic like Doberman Pinscher shit all over the floor? <laughs> For anybody that's not listening at CBGB's back in the day, like in the 70s in New York, I used to be um, bi-coastal, but on a Greyhound bus going back and forth to, you know, <laughs> staying in yeah. New York and stuff. Um, if you dropped anything under um, like a $20 bill, not like me or anyone I knew would have one in those days because that was a shit ton of money. But um like yeah. if you dropped any kind of money, no matter how broke you were, if you dropped it at CBGB's, you wouldn't pick it up off the part because there was so much dog poop all over it because Hilly, Hilly had the Doberman's. Yeah,
3: uh, you know, they're just, it's all branding. its It was just like the logo, the CBGB's logo yeah. that's a, you know. Yeah. Wow.
1: Um, yeah. so you used to go to those. Did you ever go to like the Mud Club or Hurrah or Dance Mud
3: Club, yeah, Mud Club, uh Tramps. Do you remember Tramps? Um the oh, Palladium. Yeah, Tr- oh the Palladium. There, there used to be so many. Yeah. Yeah. And the building for the Palladium is still there, but I I don't it's not a club anymore. I um, went to Studio 54 a few times, did you? No. Oh my no. god. That was it was wild. I worked with I I I, I worked, I, I worked in, you know, where I learned to cuss, I worked in retail, I worked in fashion, and, uh, you know, high end. And I, I worked with all these people, these men, you know, um, young, you know, really beautiful young men who would go to, to uh, Studio 54. And, you know, I would hear these sort of, they would come in the next day, these horrific stories about, yeah, you know, seven of us got in, but the eighth person had to, you know, they wouldn't let that person in. So we, we left that person and I was just, it it just, I don't know. It scared me.
1: Now that movie
3: stuff is weird. Well, they would, they would do like, they would break up parties like that. They would humiliate one person. Um, I I didn't, I don't know. I I, I didn't want to be that person. I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be the person who got in and, you know, had to, you know, I saw these people making the choice to abandon someone just to get in. And I, I just, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to be involved in, you know, that bothered me. Oh, yeah. No, that would have bothered me, too. I
1: think that the when, on the times that I went, it was like in a station wagon full of kids from Brooklyn and the Lower East Side. Like, yes. that I knew from CBGBs, we would just drive up there, like, once we went for a Blondie party. And we just yeah. all got head in yeah. anyway, probably because we all looked like, you know, fetuses wearing, like, really weird cool <laughs> clothes. Um, yeah, like I never thought, I knew that they wouldn't let some people in on purpose, but I never saw this stuff getting split up, but also I might've, may or may not have been on acid at the times. So.
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they would kind of come in, people would come in and brag, you know, they would brag, uh, who got in, who didn't. And it, it was, it was, I don't know. I was, I was an empathic person and it bothered me. Also, yeah. I thought I was going to be the one who wasn't going to get in. So. <laughs> so it really bothered you. I didn't want to be left out, you know, left out in the street with everyone else inside. Do you play music during rituals? I play music all the time. And, um, yeah, I play during rituals. And I have, like, in, in my spell books, I recommend songs I play, you know, I play songs during, yeah, you know, you know if you know, stay, you know, Lorraine Ellison, "Stay with Me, Baby," if you, you know, for for the spell where you want someone to stay, or, you know, Billie Holiday, "Lover Man," for you know, you know, you know where where can you be? So I have, I have songs that I associate with different sort of spell topics. It works for me. I you know I don't know if it works for everyone. I always tell people that you know you have to. You have to amp up your energy because if you're going to do this kind of work, if you're doing spell casting, or if you know any kind of work where you're of service to other people, whether it's you know, especially now, um, all the caregivers, all the healthcare people, you know, and all the fear in the air, you know, our, our magical energy, you know, we lose it. It's like a gas tank, and you know, you're driving, and, and you know. You don't want to be driving on fumes. So you have to think about what, what energizes you. And for me, it's always music. And often like, you know, when I am, you know, I've got Twitter on my phone when I'm, when I'm posting those songs, it's often because that's what I've been listening to at that moment. And I just, you know, I'm just, I'm just sharing the love essentially, but, um, because I can feel it. There are songs that if I'm agitated, will calm me. There are songs where, um, I'm tired, but hey, I have to do something. So it'll pick me up. And it's very apparent to me. And it may not be for other people. Uh, You know, that may be a generational thing. I see that, you know, people, you know, younger people, I think a lot of them are much more visual. And so it, it it could be a visual thing, but to feel it, to feel what lifts you up or calms you or, you know, you know, to, to, to almost like uh it's at the automatic, remember? Like you're you're ordering yeah. up uh, you're ordering up the mood that you need or the energy that you need. And and for me the I do with music. Yeah,
1: music is it's that that's always been one of my um yeah things for, for magic or for or for mood altering or anything. And then and then, you know, when I started dancing, if I heard a song and I got goosebumps, I would uh, I would I have one of those an, uh, annoying, maybe to some people, Pisces traits where I I I cannot play it enough. Like there was a period. Oh yeah, life.
3: no, me too. Over and over uh, and over.
1: Like I, and like people would just like start to walk near my house, you know, and then text me, "Are you playing the Israelites?" <laughs> the Desmond. <Decker> song. <laughs> Desmond. <Decker. laughs> that, was on, that was on repeat for like I two weeks. 24 <laughs> voice <24/7. laughs>
3: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. One of my earliest memories, um, you know, we had, we were in an apartment in Queens and my parents had a clock radio and I found, you know, you know, it's like the Velvet Underground song, rock and roll, where, Mm -hmm. you know, Janie turns on the radio and it saved her life. That, I mean, that's me that, that, you know, it was that rock and roll station that, 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 that could be, you know, that's my, you know, that's like my song because that, that literally could be, you know, autobiographical about me.
1: Yeah, radio was so important to people yeah. that are our age or are ageish. I'm, not, I'm yeah. not sure how old you are, I'm 62.
3: I'm 61.
1: <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> yeah, radio was hugely important. Yeah. And also it's got like, a, it's got a I different I thought you were sound. younger
3: than me. <laughs> huh? I thought you were younger than me. <laughs> no. So I'm sending you all these songs, but well, I don't know, maybe these are too boring because I thought they were too old for you. Yeah, was,
1: <laughs> that's 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 exactly all of that. I love I love like also like um this is gonna sound batshit, but I'll hear some songs, like really old songs, like 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 Smokestack Lightning by Helen yeah. Wolf or something. Oh my favorite, yeah. And I will just listen to that and and, and I mean like, I was like, there had to have been, like, a whole bunch of, like, reworking going on, like, around him constantly oh, or, yeah, like, yeah. you know, or because just some of the, I mean, I don't even know, some of those songs, like, I can't tell even if it's my own fantasies or if it's, like, really, like, like how well, we were in so
3: That's one of my earliest memories is, you know, I, you know, I, 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 was, I was super fast. It started, you know, I was supervised. There were adults in the house. I wasn't, you know, but they were preoccupied. And as long as I wasn't getting into trouble, I was pretty much free to do within the house, whatever, from a very, very young age. And so, I mean, I early memories are of like playing with the dials on the radio. And it must have been a night I heard, well, I didn't know what I heard first, but it was Howlin' Wolf. Wow. I heard the Howlin'. And I mean, I must have been maybe four or five years old. And um, and I know because the DJ, came, you know, it must have been at the end of the dial or something, you know, some sort of a college station or something, because this is, you know, 64, 65, who was playing Hell and Wolf in New York City. But um, they said it's Howlin' Wolf, but I was like four or five. I really, I envisioned like, you know, a wolf man. And yeah. I, I remember that was so profound. You know, you didn't ask me the first record I ever bought. But oh, yeah. well, I, I did. It. I didn't actually buy it because I was very little and I didn't have any money. But I persuaded my 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 parents to buy me um, the single of Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs, Little Red Riding Hood.
1: Oh no
2: way!
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: you yeah. got, got a total like wolf thing going on.
3: Oh yeah, you know, and I I still I love wolves, and I I write about wolves, but I think it comes from that. I think it comes from those human wolves. That is like deep seated childhood (laughs) memory. Maybe you were, maybe
1: you were, um, or um, maybe you were uh, had something. Maybe you had a pack of wolves in a previous life. Maybe I was the wolf. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Who knows. Wait, that's weird. that's that's crazy that I mentioned Helen
3: Wolfe then that's no, there, He there is he's my favorite, you know, he I was, you know, I'm always posting this stuff on Twitter, I think, you know, shit, you know, all these 20 year olds are watching me post like this, you know, music that's older than me. But, you know, it's, it's, you, you cannot have too much Helen Wolfe.
1: No, there's, there's no way. It's just, it's so, yeah. it's so magical. Just so much of that old stuff is just like, because you know what? Also, I feel like it's got a different, it's got a completely different sound quality because yeah. I know I'm going to sound like a senior citizen, but fuck it. Like, you know, everything is like so auto-tuned now today. And when you listen to the old records, especially if you're listening on vinyl, it's got yeah. a totally different sound and not just because I'm old or you know no. not, because it was live and it was yeah. there was not even anywhere near the kind of marketing and and um packaging stuff for for, for an artist's personas so they were just like doing whatever they felt yeah. like or were called to yeah. do and that that yeah. is like like ridiculous it wasn't
3: branding point.
1: yeah 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 like they didn't it, and it didn't have to like sell a certain amount of records if it did it was great if it didn't you know like there wasn't that the industry was not anywhere close to what it's been so it, it's just well something. there's
3: no expectation of making the kind of money i mean you know i mean we see this in publishing now also all these i, I don't know you know movies like you know they're all i mean i mean they're not making movies for me they're you know they're making these big blockbusters that you don't have to understand English for There's you No, know, you can just take them around the world because anybody can, you know, these action fi- figures were action films where you can just, you know, yeah, they, you can get them the plot. yeah.
1: My favorite thing on a trip to Egypt, going back to Egypt was I was on Egypt air and I was the only woman on the flight as it took off. That wasn't veiled, but, um, they were showing that the twilight vampire films and, and they were all dubbed in Arabic <laughs> and, 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 all the women were like really, really into it, you know, and the kids and stuff. But I was like, they're showing like supernatural vampire films, but, but, you know, like all these really religious people are watching it and, and I'm just watching it because it's exciting to hear them, you know, to see them like, doing vampire shit and turning into werewolves but but speaking
3: arabic <laughs> I <laughs> all loved, i watched in 2020 though you know the only tv i watched was like uh, uh, you know I, I i found all this chinese tv on netflix that i have to like watch with subtitles and that's uh-huh. literally so you know all i watched last year i got so busy in 2020 that
1: you know in that in in March, I watched Tiger King. Like, I, I just yeah. stayed up and watched every episode. But after yeah. that, I, I fell off. the I still don't... I don't watch TV, and I don't really... Re- lately this has been bothering me i don't read books but it's not because i don't want to i have tons of them and i want to read them but i've just been so busy it so uh, at one point i yelled out loud to nobody but my cats who the fuck am i because i haven't read a book in months <laughs> yeah
3: yeah yeah but well, it, it's like that acceleration of time and it just it just sort of sweeps you away with it this have year is being? so fast. Yeah. This, even, yeah. even,
1: not even compared to last it's year. It's
3: just going so fast.
1: Yeah. yeah. Definitely. I wonder if it's because it's a five Yeah, I don't know. I can't
3: figure it out, but it's just like, it's weird. I turn on things with subtitles at like three in the morning because it comes, because I have to focus. And sometimes, sometimes English subtitles and sometimes, sometimes I watch some Hungarian subtitles, which, you know, um Did you Hungarian? Uh, it was my first language. Oh, I, I didn't realize but, it was your first language. But it was, but, but I mean, I, I, well, because I was born in the US, but my parents had just come from Hungary and my sister. And, um, but I mean, I, I have the vocabulary of a five year old or a six year old. So okay. like, I miss half of what's on there. But I thought, you know, it's it, it sort of, it, it, it brings my energy down because, you, you, you know, you work so much, you get very, you're That's wired. Yeah, yeah, I'm wired all the time. Yeah, either
1: from coffee or book.
3: Yeah, no, me it's tea all day.
1: Yeah, and to to the point yeah. of like there should be coffee anonymous for me. It's medicinal doses. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly like it's not a good cup of coffee unless I can feel the enamel coming off when <laughs> <laughs> Um what else should we talk about? Like we've got, we still have a little bit of time. I could just go on and on talking about stuff. Have you ever taken drugs?
3: Not really. Uh, not really drugs. I, I drink mentally. I, you know, you know, work is my drug of choice. <laughs> I know. Me I'm too. Always the, uh, somehow I'm always the designated driver. I'm always the Somehow in this lifetime, I'm always the responsible one in the room that's just you know maybe the next lifetime I get to let other people be responsible for me i've
1: I've been pretty responsible, but um you know what happens to me sometimes this, this is gonna sound insane, but like there's so many homeless people in Los Angeles right now it's, yeah. it's beyond out of control, you know yeah. like it's, but um. When it Before it became the norm here, I would see people like standing in the gutter, like, like having schizophrenic attacks or being on, you know, some insane cocktail of drugs doing things or, you know, that looked like interpretive dancing or something. And I'm not saying this in a funny, like, you know, funny way, you know, because no. it was tragic to watch, but I'd be watching it going, wow, that person, you know, before it became regular you know when you would just see it every so often and then in the next second after that I would get a really jealous flash <laughs> I'd be like wow I tried to get that out of it for 25 years <laughs> straight but I could still I could still straighten up if I saw a cop or someone that let the frizzle come and, and then I would just start watching it like it was a a movie because it was it was just so crazy it's it's yeah. so weird here like I can't even if you haven't been back here lately, no, but
3: people tell me, people tell me. And um, you know, I mean my my kids were born in Santa Monica at St. John's. And um, you know, there there were always a lot of people there. Yeah. Always. But I I'm told it's it's unbelievable now. It's 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 incredible. I mean You can you like, can drive
1: for miles on like sunset or somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and it's just—it looks like it would be a grapes of wrath kind of tent city mixed yeah. with the road warrior, but also with the Walking Dead. It's—it's—it's it's, it's surreal how how bad it is. Like, for,
0: I like, always I'm thought I'd go thief.
1: back,
3: you know. But I mean, uh, the fires scare me. Keep going oh back. yeah, the fires scare me. Um, I, I still—I I, raid for people out in LA. You know, that's—that's yeah. um, that's probably the only well. I lived in Hoboken for a little bit before I moved to LA. I lived in Hoboken, New Jersey, and that's when I started in 1988. I st- I, I lost my job, and um, to this day I don't know whether I quit or was fired. It was it was a a thing, and that's when I started reading professionally, and um, people would come to the house, and also when I lived in North Hollywood, I had people coming you know i i had a room set up to read in and you know ever since then i'm i've read on the phone but somehow i keep reading for people on the west coast you know so this is like i live on west coast time. even even though i'm on i've been on the east coast for you know a very long time now yeah time
1: yeah i don't i don't know what time zone i live in because i'm always a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no me too me too me too me too why don't you, can you give someone, um, or not someone, anyone that's listening some kind of a um, a good advice or like a little spell that they can do to, or that's something that you use to like make, um, either to calm yourself down or to, uh, you know, like get, get some good vibes going with I'll tell
3: them. you what I do twice a day. Um, it's a little ritual. It was um, I, when I was working at that agency, at the travel, that little travel agency, I mean, that's a whole story, but um, it, it became kind of a scary place, you know, where, you know, was I, you know, did she jump or was she pushed? Did she quit or was she fired? Um, It it was, it was a scary, scary place. Um, You know, if the the guy who owned it was like a New York realtor, if, you know, and if you think about some other New York realtors, that'll tell you like, uh, you know, but um, I had met, I, I was thinking at that point that I read cards and maybe that's what I should do instead. I didn't want to go above 14th Street because the city scared me. And um, I met a, a person and she taught me the invocation of Michael Archangel. And she told me to do it whenever you're frightened because it's a protection spell. And it will calm you down because you, you know, you're essentially giving your protection over to Michael. And I, I have since, so that's since 1988, I have said it every day, at least twice a day, morning and evening. Every time I post it on my Facebook, it, you know, people ask me to post it again. And, you know, it, it, it is in the new book. And it's, um, so in, envision yourself, just be still for a minute. And you say, you, you don't need anything but you know your words in your mind. And you want to try to visualize this. Michael to the right of me, Michael to the left of me, Michael before me, Michael behind me, Michael above me, Michael below me, Michael within me, Michael all around me. Michael, with your flaming sword of cobalt blue, please protect me. And then you can you know protect me today, protect me tonight. Protect, you know, my loved ones, protect my cat, protect, you know, who, whoever it is that you need protecting. You know, I think it is like an um, oxygen mask first, though. You should always ask for your own protection first. And when you do it, I literally, I, I, I feel him around me. I don't encourage people letting spirits of any kind in. Michael is the exception and I, you know, Michael is a fiery angel and I feel, I feel that heat. And um, what I do is I envision a cobalt blue bubble, sort of like in the Wizard of Oz in the MGM musical, yep. Linda with a pink bubble. Yep. I envision myself inside that cobalt blue, blue bubble because you're in the bubble. You know, so Michael has created this bubble and it's like bulletproof and evil eye proof and, you know, coronavirus proof and, whatever it is that you're, you know, it, you know, you can see out, they can't see in, and I hold myself in there. And, you know, you can hold a cat in there, you can hold a dog in there, your children, you know, your lover, who, who, lovers, wh- whoever it is that you need from that bubble with you. That bubble can be any size, just um, make sure it goes under your feet and over your head. It has to be all the way. So look down at your feet and make sure you're standing on the bubble, because it's easy to sort of you know leave you know it's like it's like the the magic circle where you've accidentally left a hole um so yeah. you want to you want to have it it's it's like a 3d totally surrounding magic circle and it, it that saved me you know that saved me from a lot of panic attacks that 4 a.m. you know darkness of the soul you wake up and you know um if you don't know what to do breathe breathing exercises are good and put yourself in that bubble of protection if you have fiery all fiery, I can't even talk there. Fiery oil, fiery wall of protection. Wall wow of
1: protection.
3: Yeah. Fiery wall of protection, which which is like one of my favorite oils. And that was, was my signature
1: scent all through 2020.
3: Oh wow. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. But I was associated associate that with Michael Archangel and the Fire Angels. So um, you know, you you can incorporate that too if, you know, if you've got that. But you can just do the bubble with your mind. That's so good. That's really good. I love Michael.
1: I once had a dream. Um, this was when I was really, really little. This it was so real to me. This place looked like the um the Colosseum in Rome, or some big, like curved brick building. Yep. And you know how you were just talking about the, the girl where the brick hit her a little while ago? This is weird because there was bricks that were flaming, raining down. And then there was a bunch of like giant stone angels on the top of it. And all of a sudden there was this huge rumbling and one like broke off from the, from the stone structure and its wings were on fire and it flew down and grabbed me in its hands and just like lifted me up. This was when I was about four or five. And, and I always want to, like, I see that picture in, in my head constantly. Yeah. So, I don't know where that came from. Like, I don't know if that, I don't know if it was something I had seen on TV because I was always unsupervised. As a or kid. a past life. That's
3: like a past <laughs> yeah. life. Yeah. A visionary, sister visionary. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah, that was wild.
1: But yeah, fire angels. Anyway, I think it's time to say goodbye, and I'm so sad. We should do this again. We'll do it again. Okay, so you Thank guys... You. That was the amazing Judica Illis and um, get her books, get daily magic, because if you're losing track of time the way we are, you, you need to give me your life. <laughs> okay, so... Um, You've been listening to The Devil's Music. Please tune in whenever you want for conversations that are lively, enlightening, usually full of cussing, usually full of insane stories and magic. And I will catch you (laughs) next time.
2: Music is written and hosted by Pleasant Gaiman. Produced by Aaron Alden. All sound design by Jerry Danielson of Busy Signal Studios. And of course, is part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Find all of our shows at PantheonPodcasts.com. Our social presence is at Pantheon Podcasts on Facebook and Instagram. Tweet us at Pantheon Pods. All songs can be found wherever you get great music. Please pick up these important and fantastic tracks. 92% This week on RVER, sponsored by Progressive Insurance. Hey, Chief, we got a damaged RV
0: on its way to the OR.
2: Well, that sounds like a job for the new head of RV surgery. Wait, are you promoting me? Congrats, Martinez. Doctor, that RV's flatlining. Well, that sounds like a job for the new head of nursing. So you're just promoting everyone now. Yeah, kind of looks that way, doesn't it? When your RV really needs saving, Progressive has you covered. See if you could save with a leader in RV insurance. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates covered subject to policy terms.